0: Welcome to, Faith, to Hope Center, glad to see you. Um, the rest of you, glad to see you at Hope Center. Um, my name is Jared, for some of you that don't know who I am, I'm one of the pastors here. And I would just like to say, how about Easter Sunday last week? Wasn't that great, the baptisms we had? I, I, I might have to mention to Stan, I said, maybe we just need to leave the baptism up there so we can just baptize people every week. That was great. That was fantastic. Today I want to play a game with us. It's a pretty simple game. You guys, I'm sure you'll be successful about it. So I want to I want to talk about things that are better together. I'll say a word and something that goes with it. So if I say black, what white. white. Okay, so we'll we'll give it a try here. See, we were successful on that one. So good job. If I say Batman, Robin. 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 Mac and Cheese. Mickey Mouse, no. Mouse, Minnie Mouse, peanut butter Spam and mustard. Well, I, I I'm kind of impressed. I just threw that one out there because I didn't think anybody even ate spam anymore, or would even um, know what that was. Do you get Do you kids know what spam is? Yeah, kind of some. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you don't want to eat it. No, no. So. The saying, how many of you have heard of two is company, three is a crowd? Yeah. Everybody, everybody. Do we know that that saying's been around since like the 1600s? That's been a saying that's been around for a long, long time. You know, it's pretty kind of, it, it's, it means what it implies. It's, you know, there'd be kind of a romantic couple and they would be three people around and they want to get rid of the third. So they would say two is a company, three is a crowd. To get that person to leave. Today I want to challenge us and think maybe maybe three isn't a crowd. Maybe three is not a crowd. Today we're going to read out of Ecclesiastes um, 4 7 through 12 and a little history on Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes they believe was written by Solomon and for some of you that don't know who Solomon is, Solomon was the son of King David Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. He was the first one to build the temple in Jerusalem. And when Solomon first became king, God went to him and he said, I'm going to give you something. I want to give you something. And so ask for whatever you want. Solomon asked for wisdom. So here's one of the wisest person, if not the wisest person that ever was on earth, was Solomon. Solomon had He had kings and queens and diplomats and many, many people come to listen to him or come and ask him questions because he was so wise. Solomon was rich beyond, he may have been at the time one of the wealthiest or the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. He was king. He had fame. He had everything in life that you could possibly imagine. He had it all. You know, we think of people, figures of nowadays like Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan or most people are, LeBron James, or one of those those famous athletes, Solomon was probably bigger than that. That's how popular he was. But yet, as I was reading this, one author, this is how they summed up this book. He said, "Life not centered on God is purposeless and meaningless. Without God, nothing else can satisfy. Without God." All of life and God's other's gifts are to be gratefully received and used and enjoyed to the full. The book contains the philosophical and theological reflections of an old man, most of whose life was meaningless because he had not relied on God as he should have. Here's a guy that had everything, but yet they, we think this book was at the end of Solomon's life and he had, he still felt something missing. He hadn't relied on God that there was some meaningless and purposelessness in his life. <laughs> so let's read from Ecclesiastes. It's on page 665 in your Bible. It's underneath your, your chair there if you want to read that. Starts with, again, I saw something meaningful or meaningless under the sun. This is a phrase and a word that's used a lot in Ecclesiastes, this word meaningless, and meaningless under the sun. Meaningless. Some of the definitions of that would be no substance, there's worthlessness, there's emptiness, there's futility. goes on to describe what's the meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone, he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you penetrate our hearts and minds today. Let us not live a meaningless life. Let us live one centered on you. Let us not look back on our life like Solomon did and, and see it as meaningless and purposeless. Let us, let us live a life that is serving you. In your name we pray, amen. So our first blank on our outline is just the simple word, one. Just one. By what I mean, one is, we'll, 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 you'll understand that. How many of you like to go through a drive-through rather than walk inside? Yeah, there's a few hands here. Well, why do you like to go to the drive-through? It's fast. Sometimes. Sometimes the long is, line, line is so long that it's, it's slower, actually. But maybe it's because I don't have to talk to anybody. I have to talk to one person, that's the one I take the order from, and the one that gives me, my, gives me the order that I ordered. But I, I, I get to be alone. I don't have to see anybody, I don't have to talk to anybody, I get to be alone, I get to be one. Now guys, how many of you guys have man caves? Or want a man cave? <laughs> More hands around. There's one back there. Guys, why do we have man caves? to be alone, so we can escape, so we can just be by ourselves, so we don't have to be around anybody. We can just turn the world off and just be alone. Okay, women, you thought you're off the hook. There's a thing called, I just discovered this about a year ago, a she-shed. You yeah. got a picture of a she-shed. <laughs> that's a rather extravagant one, but that's a she-shed. I kind of like to say she-shed, so... But why do you have she-sheds? Uh, Same thing, to be alone. Why do we have those? I mean, that's why, to be alone. Are we a culture that has just turned into we develop fences, we put up fences and we isolate each other? We isolate ourselves. Do we do the, build up fences to keep, our, keep others out or to keep others from getting in? It's probably a little bit of both. Now I'm not saying that time alone is not good. The time alone by yourself for reflection and just to kind of regroup is, is a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. I, in fact, I just got back from vacation and that's exactly what that was. And it was very restful and very rewarding for me to just kind of be alone and have that. But I'm talking about just in life in general. Is it good for us to be alone? So, important question here. How many of you have seen the Lego Batman movie? How many of you want to see the Lego Batman movie? How many of you will admit that you've seen the Batman Lego movie? Well, I'd like to show a clip of the Lego Batman movie if we can get that up here. And I want you to pay attention to the the words that uh, the Joker and Batman are saying. I want you to pay a this is the beginning of the movie. Bad guy. Then I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. What? I like to fight around. Okay, look, I'm uh, fine with you fighting other people if you want to do that, but what we have is special.
1: So when people ask you who's your number one bad guy, you say? Superman. Are you seriously saying that there is nothing, nothing special about our relationship?
0: Whoa. Let me tell you something, Jay Bird. Batman doesn't do ships. What? As in relationships. There is no us. Batman and Joker are not a thing. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. That's what Batman says. He doesn't need ships. He doesn't need relationships. He doesn't need anyone. Think of verse 8 in Ecclesiastes when, we, when it read. It says, To a man all alone, he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. His eyes were not content with his wealth. It sounds like a man that was alone. It sounds like a man that doesn't need relationships. Sounds like a man, though, but he was kind of miserable in that. For some of you, I think most of you may hopefully know the story of Batman, but I'll to put this in context too. Batman, his parents were killed at, when they were, he was very young. He, they were murdered and he was an orphan. He was raised by his butler, Alfred. And uh, his parents were probably the wealthiest people in Gotham. They were very, very rich people. Kind of like Solomon, was a very, very rich person. Batman grew up by himself. He took on the persona of Batman, and he lived a double life of Bruce Wayne and Batman. But he isolated himself. He built up a fence. He lived in his gigantic mansion all by himself. He toiled all day by fighting the Joker and his other villains. But he was all alone. He didn't enjoy himself. He wasn't a man that enjoyed himself, a little bit like Solomon. Do you think it's good to be alone? Think life is more enjoyable alone? Is it better to not have those close, meaningful relationships in our life? Like the joker said, you need me, I need you. Is it better? Are we safer alone? Here's Here's what some research says about being alone. First one, it says, more isolated people are three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. So what that means is, like the church staff here, Stan and Allie and Josh and I and Arnie, we could all go to Krispy Kreme Donuts every single day, have a relationship, have a deep relationship, and we probably would live longer than if we just went all by ourselves and kept to ourselves and eat our health food, eat our broccoli, our tofu, our health drinks, that we would live longer by eating the worst diet. Those are in a loving relationship, a bonded, connected relationship. We are growing when we're in those bonded relationships. When we're isolated, we're slowly dying. People who don't have meaningful relationships tend to fear intimacy more. They feel that if others really know them, they won't like them. Kind of those last two points to put that in another perspective would be, um, many of us have known about the Romanian orphans, the orphans in Romania, due to the, the, the revolution in Yugoslavia when the country's broke in half. There was more orphans than their work, workers. These workers. These orphans did not receive physical touch. They didn't receive love. They didn't receive bonding. All they, they probably got food, and they got their diapers changed. That's it. So there was a group of people that came to visit this orphanage and and there was this little girl, she had her arms out like this, wanted someone to pick her up and one of the people came to go pick her up and the worker said, no, no, please don't, please don't. Because when you pick her up and you put her back down, she's going to throw herself on the ground and she's going to bang her head into the wall or the floor. She didn't grow. She didn't grow healthy relationships. She didn't have that bonding. She felt like she was rejected. So also, does isolation, when we isolate ourselves, does it give the enemy a chance to destroy us? Does it give the enemy a chance to attack us and destroy us when we're by ourselves, when we don't have somebody with us? Just a story to illustrate this is um, a few years ago, we were traveling, and we... um, Pulled alongside, we parked and we were in a national park and we saw some elk and then we looked and we saw, saw some wolves. These wolves were chasing these elk and there was some calf elk with them and they were separating this calf. Well they separated this calf, this calf actually up the, ran up the hill and it came right by us. And I could have probably reached out and grabbed this calf and it was scared. You could see it in its eyes, it was scared to death. Eventually, across crossed the road, went up into the hills, where the pack of wolves were. Pack of wolves destroyed that wolf, or that calf. Does the enemy do that to us a little bit? Maybe he tries to get us isolated, and then tries to destroy us. So is Batman correct that we need to be alone? He doesn't need relationships. We're OK. What about God? How did God create us? How did God create us? There's an answer to that in Genesis, Genesis 2:18 through 25. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, just to, to sino- give a short synopsis of that, it says, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable, a helper suitable for him. God had created all the animals, all the fish, all the birds, everything on, on the earth, created man, and there they were. And God looked and said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good to be alone. So he created a suitable helper for him. So I think, Batman, you're wrong. You do need a relationship. Now, just to point out in this, in this point in, in creation, sin hadn't entered the world yet. The fall hadn't happened. There was, there was a bond between God and Adam that would never be stronger than it was a bond where they talked to each other, they walked with each other. But yet God said, it's not good to be alone. It's not good for him to be alone. He needs a suitable helper. So a lot of things, have, a lot of, you've also heard that probably there's a God-shaped hole in us. We have a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. Completely agree with that. There's a, there, every one of us has that, only God can fill that hole. But I wanna challenge us and say, maybe God created a human-shaped hole. Maybe he created a human-shaped hole that he can't fill. God can't fill that. Only somebody else can fill that. Like I said, God created, God saw it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he created a helper. This brings us to the next slide, two. Simple word two. Verse nine through twelve of Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. They have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. If two lie together, they will keep warm. One may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Two is company, three is a crowd. Proverbs twenty seven, seventeen. It's one we all know. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the key. I need a bestie. I need a best friend. Or I need a spouse. I need someone, just one person to be with me. You know, I think Jesus had his bestie. We would see Jesus go off and pray by himself. He would talk to his bestie. He would talk to his father. Granted, his father was God, but he would talk to him. He'd, he'd have his bestie. Some of you that are married, you might think that, yeah, I've, I've got my best friend. I've, I've, got a, I've got someone to spend life with. But do you guys always get along? Do you always communicate just perfectly? Do you always communicate, even with your best friend, do you always see the same thing, the same? You don't. I mean, when I was on vacation, my wife was with me, and I'll... I'll admit it, we didn't see everything eye to eye. There was disagreements. But yet it was still nice to have somebody with me. So I think even in the times that we're not on the same page, those verses in Ecclesiastes are still true. Think of one of the worst jobs you could possibly do. Just put that in your mind. For me, it's weeding. I hate pulling weeds. Hate it. Just hate it. You're there and you're just pulling a weed and you pull one and you look up and there's a million more. And you pull another one and I think there's, it, they multiply. There's two million more. just never ends. But you know what? If I have a friend that comes with me or my wife comes and sits with me, we talk, we communicate, we share life together, we pick each other up. And it seems like it goes a lot faster and actually gets done. What about when life gets tough? We get bad news. We have some, somebody a close relative die. Kids are sick. Friends are sick. We lost our job. Isn't it nicer to have, isn't it nice to have somebody there with us? Isn't it nice to have someone to do life with to help pick us up in those times? Now. What about if I go and I come and I give somebody a hug or your best friend comes and sees you and they give you a hug or your wife or your husband gives you a hug? Don't you just kind of get a little bit warm inside? Kind of get a warm fuzzy? You know, I think life is better with two. Two is better than one. But is that good enough? Is just one good enough? Is just two good enough? I'd like to say that maybe three, is, maybe three isn't a crowd. Maybe that human-shaped hole is big enough that it can fit more than one person. Maybe it can fit two, maybe it can fit three, maybe it can fit four. So that's our next, our next thing is three. The end of it, this, this passage in 12, it says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Many of you have seen ropes. I know we've all probably seen a rope, but do we really ever see a rope that just has one strand with it? Not very often. We usually see a rope that's got three strands of rope and they're braided together. Why is that? Because it's a lot stronger than just the one single one. Matthew 18:20. For where two or three gather in my name, there I, there I am with them. Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way we will fulfill the law of Christ. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Hebrews 10.24-25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. When I read these verses, it makes it sound like it's more than just one other person. Makes it sound like we're supposed to do this as a community. We're supposed to do this together. That, like I said, three's not a crowd. That that human-shaped hole is big enough for more of us. It's bigger than just one other person. It's bigger. We can have more people involved in our lives. Starbucks. Who's heard of Starbucks? What is Starbucks, what, what are they known for? Coffee. 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 Let me read you this from their website. It says, from the beginning, Starbucks set out to be a different kind of company, one that not only celebrated coffee but also connection. They strive to be a neighborhood meeting place. This is from the beginning of Starbucks. You think their product is just coffee? Do we think it's just that they've tied it to just, no. I think the people at Starbucks realized from the very start that we're a culture that's striving for, that's craving for relationships. Not just craving for coffee, but craving for relationships, and they want to set up an atmosphere so we can be that. Here in town, City Brew, I think, is the same way. I go into City Brew and you actually go in, you know, go to the drive-thru, but they go in there and they ask you your name. And then some of you are shaking your head, you know what I'm talking about. They'll say your name 10 times before you leave. And I'm like, well, you just give me what I want. I don't want you to tell my name. (laughs) But why do they do that? They want to build a relationship with you. They want to make you feel like we're not here just to sell you coffee. We're here to be part of your life. We want you to come back. And when I come back, they might even call me my name again. They know that we want relationships in our life. So, what went wrong? We, We built fences, we isolated ourselves, we created kind of in a little culture we have. We work in our own little cubicles. We work in our own little separate workspaces. It's almost like we try to avoid people at all costs. Maybe we avoid them because we, we're afraid of what they want from us. Maybe we work with public peop- the people all day and we're just tired of people. Maybe we just want to be by ourselves. When I, when I think of this, I think of a New York City. Get this image in your head of New York City Think of uh, those pictures you see of, or maybe you've been to New York of the sidewalks or the subways where there's just masses of people. There's just people everywhere. And when the light turns green, they all go in mass. And if you were trying to go the other way, I think you would fall down. And I don't think there would be anybody there to pick you up. Because you're all in this mass crowd of people. We're in this crowded isolation. in this crowd of people and you don't know them and they don't know you. So you can be in a crowd of people, I can be in the church right now, lots of people, lots of faces, but I don't really know anybody and they don't know me. I still feel alone. Another way to think of it and this is partly because of my vacation I was just on, if I'm a foreigner in a country where nobody speaks my language, I need to find my way home, I don't know any, I can't read a sign, I can't do anything, and there's all of these people around me and they can't help me because I don't speak the same language and I can't, nobody can understand me and they all avoid me. There's nobody there to, I'm all alone. There's nobody there to pick me up. There's nobody there to help me and show me where I'm going. So you're probably wondering what happened to Batman in the movie. Not going to ruin it for you because I know most of you are going to go home and watch it this afternoon <laughs> or this evening. But what I will tell you is that Batman discovered that he does need ships. He does need relationships. He does need his superheroes with him. And he even needs the villains with him. We need people. We're, we're not made to be alone. So brings us to the last point, go. Many of you, of the church might feel like it's just too big. It's just too, there's too many people. I just don't know anybody. It's too, it's too big. I don't know anybody by name. I don't know them. They don't know me and it's just too hard. You know, it, it, if you read Acts chapter two, 40, 42 through 47, kind of describes the early church. They met together. They sat at the apostles' feet and listened to God's teachings. They broke bread together. They met in their houses together. And it says they did this daily. Or do we want to go and still continue to spend our lives between, behind our fences, in our isolation, to just kind of live a life alone? Now, I'm just as guilty as everybody in this. I live in a small neighborhood. We only have a few houses in our neighborhood. And there's neighbors that I don't even know. There's neighbors that have moved in, and I don't even know who they are. I've never been in their house, and they've never been in mine. I've never invited them in. I keep my fence up. So I'm guilty. So how do I change that? How do I get connected? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to maybe enjoy life, to get more out of life, to have relationships with others where we, we meet together, we break bread together, we help each other up. You know, lucky for us, Jesus gave us an, an example of that. Jesus was around a lot, lot of large crowds. He had that situation where you have in the subway of or the sidewalks of New York. Lots of people around him. But what do we see Jesus doing? I mentioned it earlier. He would go off by himself and he would talk to his father. Spend one-on-one time with his father. He would talk to God. We can go off and we can take our Bible. We can start praying. We can start spending that one-on-one time with God. We can just take a t- find a time daily and spend, do the same thing that Jesus did. But Jesus also had a group of disciples. He had 12 people that he would tell stories to these crowds, and then he would take the 12 and he would further explain those stories, or he would build connection with them. He would build community with them. He had a bond with them. You can take your Bible and you can read that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You you can read that and see that. That can be your time that you can spend with God, that one-on-one time. But even of that 12, he still had three. He had three even that he had even a deeper relationship with that you would take and and have even a more special relationship, it seems. He was very intentional about this. You see it over and over again. So I'm gonna say go, go take a chance. Go bring that fence down and maybe take a chance and say, you know what, I'm gonna go spend some time with God, just that one on one. I'm gonna go find some friends and we're gonna meet together. We're gonna start spending time together. We're gonna start breaking bread together. We're gonna start learning about God's teachings. So at the church we might have some, you might go, well how do I do this? How do I even start? Well. That's why on the back of your sermon notes, you'll see this page. You'll see some readings there. You can take those and you can spend some time with God one-on-one. You can take those and those learn more about God. There's also some questions on there. That if you had a group of friends that you have and maybe they're friends, but you're not meeting together, we well, could decide, you know what, let's meet together. We can go over those readings. We can go over the sermon. And we can answer those questions together. We can spend time together. You could even have a meal. You could break bread together. Just start forming those deeper connections. You can tell your stories to one another. We get deeper. We tell our stories, and someone will tell their story, and you have this connection. We also, if you just... Don't get, man, I just can't think of anybody I want to meet with. Well, come and see Allie probably today or myself and Allie next week at the Connect booth. And we'll take down your name. And we have people that are willing to actually help lead a group. We have people, or we can even maybe form a group for you and help you get started. We also, on May 8th, we have uh, another rooted group started. There's limited spots in that, but you can sign up again at the Connect booth for that. Put your name down and, and become part of a rooted group. Become part of a group that then, once it's over, you can continue on as a group. Now, some of you may have groups you're already in. I'm not asking you to do to start another one. I'm just saying good job and encouraging you to continue and maybe even encouraging you to just take that next step to go a little deeper. To kind of put this all in context, I'd like to play a video that um, kind of just says what's, what groups, groups will have, what, what effect they have on your life. So let's watch this. I'm Deb and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my story.
1: Um, I struggle with chronic depression. Um, I get involved in things because I'm excited about the Lord and, and want to serve and then I just get worn out and um, just can't deal and sort of withdraw again. And that's been my pattern. I just lost a close friend and um, was in a pretty heavy grieving process and uh, just did not was not sleeping well, did not have the energy to do anything. I dropped all my um, ministry commitments at Hope Center and uh, gave my key back and um, just decided not to volunteer and not to be involved. But we had just started this Rooted series. It was suggested, you know, everybody, you know, this is what the church is doing. And I was kind of like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go talk to people. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to put myself out there, not again, you know? And I, um, I just really didn't want to, but it was what the church was doing. All but two of them I had been in small groups with before at various times at Hope Center. I thought, I'm not going to get to know anybody because I already know these people, and um, there's just a lot more to getting to know people than uh, you can do in in one group or one setting. And and there's just something about the way Rooted is set up to bring out your. Um, for one thing, we all told our stories. There's people I'd known for years, and I didn't know things about them, and um, and there was people I I didn't know as well, and and found that I had a lot more in common with them than I would have ever realized. Going into Rooted, I um, I didn't want to be there. I made a statement at the first meeting that I'd rather be home under my couch. Thank you very much. And um, by the third meeting, I would admitted I didn't have a couch. And <laughs> by like the fifth meeting or so, um, I was participating fully, and I had shared my uh, story, um, listened to other stories, and gotten to know people. And um, was really, um, really, really glad that that I had done it. And um, I would recommend it as, there's a lot of different reasons people might join a small group, um, whether for fellowship, or to make friends, or get to know people, or just to get out of the house, whatever it is. I would say it doesn't matter why you wanna join a small group. If, if you join the small group, the reason the Lord has you there will become clear and um, and you will be blessed by it. At the end of the group, not only was I um, happy being there and glad to be with these people and looking forward to every time that I went, but uh, at the end, the last week, I, I, the Lord gave me an idea for something that we could be doing in the church, and I said to to Stan, "Is have we ever thought about putting a garden in the back lot?" And he said, "Well, when somebody comes to me with a good idea, I, I." Tell them they're in charge," I said. Oh, "Okay," and next thing I knew, I was, I was rounding up people and getting this community garden started. And this was ten weeks after you know wanting to hide under my couch and not wanting to be involved at all. It was like, it was like the sun came out, and um, you know the winter's over, the the snow is gone, the sun is shining, and I'm ready to garden and I'm ready to be involved. And that is because I was participating in this small group uh, in this Rooted series, and um, it made a big difference in my life.
0: I think she sums it up. That's what I'm talking about. We're created to not do life alone. We're created, we're not created for isolation. We are created for community. Now, my goal would be is that all of us get involved in some sort of group to some, if, some way, that we all spend that time with God alone by ourselves. We all spend time with a group, sharing life together, breaking bread together, picking each other up. That would be my, my, my dream. It's 100%. It's even greater than 100% because maybe we invite people outside of the church to come into our groups and join us and spend life together. So is it time that we take our fences down? Is it time that we stop being isolated? Is it time that we start finding connection with each other? Is it time that we start enjoying life the way God created us to be? We were created to have deep, intentional relationships. So three is not a crowd. Let's pray.
1: Father God, I
0: just pray for those in this room right now that feel like they're alone. I pray that you give them the boldness to step forward and to have a relationship with each other. That they, they find a suitable helper like you said that they find a friend, or a group of friends, that they can spend life with, that we can break bread together, that we can share in your teachings together, that we can just go closer together. Now I pray that there's some people here that may not even have taken that first step to have a relationship with you. They may not have said, God, I need to start with just you. I need to start with having that saying, I'm submitting my life to you. I'm surrendering my life to you. I need to make you boss of my life, and I need to learn more about you. and to, to I need to fill that God-shaped hole in my heart with you. So I just pray if there's somebody here today that, that wants to do that, that they just raise their hand, maybe look up at me, and just say, today's the day. I see you over there. Today's the day that I want to Spend eternity with you. I want to give my life to you, God. I just thank you for this person that has said yes today. Said yes. I'm I'm giving my life to you. I'm I'm devoting my life to you, Lord. And I just do pray for um, this church that we we find strength in each other, and that we find um, people to help us help us along the way and that we find that we're not created to be alone, that we find a way to be in community. In your name we pray. Amen.